Welcome to the MLS Leadership Show. I'm Myrna Selsler, and I'm the host of the show and founder of the Million Dollar Broker Program, building momentum and leverage in a real estate brokerage. Over the past decades, I've been a broker owner of two successful real estate offices in two very different marketplaces. We work with real estate brokers to overcome the barriers that prevent them from achieving a million dollar net to them business. We help brokers reduce turnover, improve productivity, and have predictable sales growth. We're always on the lookout for talented brokers willing to share their secret sauce in running a successful brokerage. Stick around to the end of the show and you'll find out how you can be our next guest and share your unique message about how you lead your brokerage. there. It's Myrna Seltzer with the MLS Leadership Show, founder of The Million Dollar Broker. And today I'm talking with David Coe. And David is the head, the team lead, the owner, the manager of Coe Real Estate Group, which is affiliated with Keller Williams. But I wanted to hear about that too. So as we go through, so welcome, David. And my first question for you is, how did you get into real estate in the first place? Uh, thank you. Yeah, and what I'd like to say is that uh, our business is powered by KW, right? Versus you know affiliated with, because that's kind of how we look at our relationship with them. But um, you know, I started in real estate because we bought our first house in Atlanta, and we spent all this time fixing it up, and we fell in love with real estate. And I was working in marketing, and when I was done being a marketing executive and wanted to get into real estate. Uh, my wife and I started fixing and flipping houses. So I actually got into real estate on the investing side and then got my license just to, you know, sell the properties that we were working on and then started doing some deals with friends and family. And over the years, I'd say that my, my you know, re- resale business has probably, you know, taken over my investing business. Okay. Okay. But it must have been kind of fun trying to figure out how to fix the house up so that it was be saleable. And you had, um, you had a real estate license at that point in time, or did you just sell it? Yeah, you did. Okay. No, I did. So actually I was, I studied for my real estate license while I was still employed at my advertising agency. I used to fly a lot. So I would, I would take the classes while I was on the plane. So I wanted to have the license, but I wasn't intending on building a residential business. It was just for my investing business. Okay. So how long have you been in selling real estate? And then how long have you been a team lead? So I've been officially, uh, you know, selling or through the core real estate team for about 10 years now. And um, I would say for the last like three, we started building it more as a team versus me as an individual agent. Okay. And how did you come to that conclusion that you would make that transition? Uh, As I got busier, I saw the value in building a team and, you know, creating leverage and bringing more people in and, you know, as the level of things that I got involved with, because uh, I am still involved in investing. So the things that I got involved with became more sophisticated and required more time. I needed to create a system where I had leverage and could bring people onto the team to help, you know, actually execute the day-to-day transactional stuff of real estate. Okay. So it seems to me, because as you're saying, you, you got into more sophisticated transactions. So when you were looking for people to join your team, what were you looking for in them? That would offer you comfort to let your stuff go. Well, it, it, it depended on the position, right? So, you know, we've got we've got executive staff, we've got a marketing person. You know, I think we are up to f- six agents now on the team, mm-hmm. and each of the the roles kind of have um, you know different responsibilities. But you know, mostly what we're looking for is we're looking for talent, right? We're looking for we're looking for smart people that we can identify what their passions are and make sure that they are in a role on our team 
that will fit their passions, right? I think that's the biggest thing that we have to do both from a recruiting standpoint and from a culture standpoint is you have to have people in roles doing what they like to do. Okay, so tell me what's your secret for figuring out what they're going to be good at and what their passions are? It's a little known trick called trial and error, right? Because as we as we continue to grow, we learn and become better people at hiring. Um, I actually use there's, there's a process through Keller Williams called a it's, it's called the KPA. It's it's basically a personal assessment, and what it does is any candidate that goes it, I shouldn't say it's an assessment. It's a process that starts with an assessment, and the assessment is one where you'll go through and ask people questions, and based on how they answer questions, it will give them some um, you know written material about how they best think and handle certain situations. And then you go through and you validate the responses that they had with them. And what I found is that it's all about them. So first of all, it's great information. The first time I took my KPA, you know, I read the the results and I'm like, oh my God, that's like 90% me. It was kind of creepy and scary at how well it identified me. Yeah. Um, But the process is more about validating that assessment with them. Even mine wasn't hundred percent right. And certain things were right and certain things were wrong. And the process of the process of discussing that uh, is one that you have this really intimate conversation about a candidate and you kind of get to know them. And what I'm sizing them up is look, are they the right kind of personality fit for the job that we want to hire? Not just, are they smart or are they, talented. It's like, are they going to fit the position? So it seems to me that your interview process would then would be quite intense and you really do know them. And they obviously know you by the way you question things by the time that you're done. We, we get to know each other, right? Like it's, it's just it's as much for them as it is for me. You know, we want to make sure that they're excited about being on the team as, as much as we are excited about having them on the team. But yeah, it, it's a very intimate process and it takes time, right? You can't rush that. Uh, And it's the difference between hiring out of a need or versus hiring out of a want, right? When you need something quickly, sometimes you tend to make, you know, decisions out of desperation, right? Versus trying to get out in front of it and being patient about it. That's, I think, is one of the biggest lessons in recruiting is, you know, not rushing it. Take your time, get to know people before you bring them on. So how many people, like if out of 10 people you interview, you know, with a small team, you might not interview 10, but how many would you turn away? Are they pre-qualified enough before you ever go through that process that it works well? Yeah, the, 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 the last position we hired was a marketing director. We got over 90 resumes and wow. we, we, took, we took eight people through the KPA process, right? Where we had them take the assessment. Yeah. And then that was probably 20 calls that we had. And I say we, I mean, calls that I had. Yeah. And then from the assessment, we took three candidates and kind of made them our final three candidates. And then we let them spend time, not just with me, but with the team, right? So the team got to meet them. They got to ask them questions back and forth. I'm sure they asked much more honest questions to the team than they would ask me. Yeah. Uh, and the whole team, you know, part of the, the scoring of the candidates was not just my own interaction with the person, but it was also the team's interaction. And, and hopefully the people that you have as your, or the person you have as your top candidate is the same person that they have. And then, you know, the big thing is you have to, you know, I I've learned over time is you have to pour time into them, right? They're only going to be as effective as, you know, as you, um, you know, as, as you give them your time and, and try to help them grow along the way. So you have a fairly um, 
in-depth onboarding process as well once they've, they've joined you? Um, it's becoming more in-depth, but yeah, we, you know, we, we put them through what's called like a, a 30, 60, 90 day program, right? Where they get, you know, goals for their first 30 days, goals for their mm-hmm. next 30, then goals for that last 30. And at the end of the 30, we'll go through and do an assessment of how they did, you know, over those 90 days. And actually w- when we bring someone on the team, usually they'll start off more as like, um, I don't want to say temporary, but it's kind of like a, the 30, 60, 90 day period is a chance for both of us to decide whether we want to go into a longer one, one year term kind of commitment. Okay. So what kind of turnover do you have or do you? Um, I, I would say it's pretty, pretty normal. Um, I'd say over the last, I'll say over the last five years, we've probably lost, you know, two or three agents that have moved on. One became a broker, mm-hmm. uh, started her own business. Um, and we've probably brought on like five people, so I, you know, I say we have a normal amount of turnover. Life still happens. You yes. Know, people still, especially in the last year, you know, we actually haven't had any turnover in the last year, which has been great. If anything, we've grown the team in the last year because we've gotten so busy. Okay. Okay. So, do you have a, a strategic retention strategy? Something that you you deliberately do, or does it just unfold based on the the, the pre-interview and the onboarding process? Well, a retention strategy with the team as a whole, I think, really comes down to culture. Um, okay. you know, so, you know, for me, that's the ultimate retention strategy is, is people will want to stay in a place where they enjoy working with each other. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I'd say our plan is number one is treat each other fairly. You know, like we just make sure how we communicate. And I think that starts, you know, at the top with me. You know, how yeah. I treat people is how they're going to treat each other. So we try to be super fair with each other. We do get together and do annual goal planning together. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we will go through and, you know, put our goals and visions and, um, you know, actually we didn't do it last year because of coronavirus, but, uh, you know, prior to that, we would get together and put together our vision boards with our strategies on them. And then we put them on one wall in the office. So everyone had their goals and their, their strategy up on the wall. We could all see each other collectively what our goals were. And the way I did that as the, you know, as the team leader is I set my goals for the team and I wanted their goals to fit within my goals, right? So all yeah. of them hopefully had to have goals that fit within the overall goal of the team. Um, so I, I would say from a retention standpoint, I don't really have a defined strategy per se, other than just how we try to operate as a team and, and you know, uh, treat each other fairly every single day. And that's something like people want to feel like they can come into the office and it's they feel welcome, respected, all those kinds of things. And then it's hard to want to leave. And if they're being treated fairly in terms of the other things like leads, then yeah. yeah. I think it's more important than making money. Not that making money doesn't matter, right? But you could probably make money anywhere, right? Like you want to be someplace where you feel respected and you feel like you're you're contributing to something, like you're actually a part of something. And of course you need to make money, but you know, it's not always about the money. Yeah. And by you having the bigger vision and the bigger goal for them to see, and they see they're part of it, they're, they are feeling like they're part of a bigger whole, which yeah, is right. a, a really basic human need. Yeah. So um, what do you think your secret sauce is then? That Why do you think people come to work with you? Well, I do a lot of investing stuff. Like, so I think the, you know, the fact that we're involved with, um, you know, different kinds of fixing and flipping projects, uh, involved with, um, with some, some development projects. 
So I think one of the draws is the fact that people that want to get more involved in investing in real estate on their own or work with, with investors versus just, you know, pure homeowners, uh, we, we provide that opportunity. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time networking, not just, you know, through my real estate business, but also through my, uh, my investing business with, um, you know, provisors and I run a real estate investment club. So I, I, I actually have a meeting tonight, the night we're recording, uh, recording this session. Um, so, you know, I think that's one of the things that's different about me, you know, any, anyone who wants to learn more about the investing side of real estate, um, you know, it's, it's hard to get started in that. It's just such a different beast. So, you know, we offer the opportunity for, for people to get exposed to that side of the business and hopefully add that into their careers, both, you know, as a realtor and then, you know, just as an investor themselves. Yeah, because you can, you know, do really well financially as a real estate agent, but you could do even better as a real estate investor. Yeah, my, my favorite line is, you know, um, we, we work hard, you know, to build money, but really to build wealth, your money has to build money, right? So that, that's the way you become wealthy is when your money starts building money. And we are in, unfortunately, a very transactional business, yes. right? Our, our, our money only lasts until, you know, based on what we have in the pipeline, there's no guarantees past that. Yeah. So yeah, so so building building you know passive cash flow through through wealth creation, I think that being a realtor is a great way to create revenue. It's probably not a great way to create wealth. Real estate investing is a great way to create wealth. Yeah, one of my salespeople once commented that um, he thought that owning investment real estate, being a landlord, was the best paying part time job you could ever get. Because how often do your tenants turn over? Like some of mine don't turn over like once every five years. So I'm like, I don't know if I spend a day with them a year doing repairs and maintenance, that would be about it. Yeah. And especially if you're picking the right tenants, right? It's like hiring, right? Picking tenants and hiring. I think you kind of have the same kind of, you know, um, skill set, right? It's something where you, you, the, the right person can make life so wonderful and the wrong person can make life so miserable. Yeah. And it's that radar that we, we develop over the years. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's really, really interesting. So um, is there one thing that when you meet someone, you go, yeah, that I want that person for this reason. Like there's some, something intuitive about it that, you know, Um, that's a good question. You know, it's fine. I really think it comes down to watching how they interact with other people. Okay. Um, you know, re- real estate is not a property business. It's a people business and, and dealing with people is what makes you successful in this business. So when I see someone who's really just seems to have a connection with people around them, that that's something that will always get my attention. Okay. Okay. So you watch um, waitresses, servers, people like that, they go along because they're potential, potential agents for you, I guess, right? They're everywhere. And not not just that, it's it's probably more about, you know, when I am networking, when I'm in my real estate investment club and I'm meeting people that are there, like there are some people that want to start as a as an investor. And I'm like, man, you'd make a great agent, right? Like, you know, if you're really looking to do this, mm-hmm. you know, putting a career together, wholesaling properties is going to take you a long time to any kind of financial independence. Yeah. Right? Why don't you get your your license as well? And then along the way, you know, the the process of looking for a house to wholesale is almost the exact same process of finding a listing, right? You're going to go door knock it. If they want to sell, you might as well, but they want to sell for more than you can wholesale it. Well, you might as well get the listing. So, um, you know, so So you're almost seeing fish where the fish are biting. 
you're looking for people interested in investments. So you go to your investment circle. So to go there. It's yeah, it is right. I mean, those are people that already have an interest in real estate, right? They're there to learn more about real estate. We're not selling anything. It's just education. So having a passion for something is probably the number one thing you want to look for. Yeah. You know, converting a server who's good at customer service and is a good people person doesn't mean they care or want to know about real estate, but finding people that really care about real estate that, you know, know how to handle themselves in a room. Mm -hmm. That's something to keep an eye out for. Okay. So what, what are your goals? What, how large would you like to see your team grow? So I've, I've got like two parts of my team. I've got a resale team and I've got a new construction team. And I would say, you know, we're about, there's eight of us right now. You know, we, we'd like to, you know, maybe double in size within the next couple of years. Um, I'd say as of now, that's about the size of team that I want to yeah. have and, you know, want, want to be uh, in charge of. Okay. What would you think your strength is as a leader? Um, again, I, I, I think I set an example on how to treat people. I don't, I don't look at my team, you know, from a, um, you know, from a point of view of, you know, who has more seniority. It's we're all people, we're all teammates. We all have a role to do. You know, yeah. we, we, we perform better as a team when we're all performing efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I think that's one of the things that, you know, for me personally, that I, I'm very conscious of trying to lead that by example, where people respect each other. And, and, and I think you get just better work out of people when they're all working together and they're not, you know, they're not, there's no animosity in the room. Yeah. Yeah. So as you're starting out in your career in advertising and your career in real estate, did you have one leader that stood out to you that you learned something very specific about that's formulated how you behave now? Yeah, there's a lot of people and there's still people in my world, you know, that I'm, that I'm, you know, clearly looked to as either mentors or, um, you know, certainly inspirations, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, and it's funny how much advertising and real estate actually, uh, dovetailed together. You know, I, I really thought it would be this completely radically different career, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. You know, it was the the, the tenets of being a um, a really good advertising executive was being responsible, being professional, right, communicating yeah. properly, treating people the right way. You know, staying staying in communication with them. It's all the things that we have to do in real estate as well. Yeah. But you've got an organization and multi million dollars of of you know finances that you're responsible for. The the stakes are bigger, honestly, than maybe some of the things that we're doing where we're all independent contractors. We really don't have any natural authority to, to respond to or to, you know, to, to hold us accountable. So, um, so yeah, I, I would say that those types of lessons of, of how to become a professional, right, how to treat people professionally, um, you know, those are the people that I've always kind of learned from and emulate and still do. You know, I think I've got some you know, I'm, I'm part of a mastermind group, you know, here in LA, we, we're, we're eight of us, we all have separate markets within Los Angeles. So we don't compete with each other, but we all run teams. So we all understand some of the, you know, issues that we're having from a team standpoint. And, you know, some of us are, are agents like me that have a team, some are brokers that run brokerages, but it's great because we can share information back and forth with each other, but we're not competing against each other for listings anywhere. And we've also become a great way to refer business back and forth. Mm-hmm. LA is a big city. And, you know, someone who wants to buy in Orange County, look, I'd love to help you, but that's a, that's a, that's a long drive, you know, and that's yeah. just not, it's such a big city here. So I would much rather refer that to people 
that I trust and respect. So, you know, even to this day, I, I would say that I'm always looking to be surrounded by, you know, people that are more successful than I am and, and learn from them and share with them when I can, but certainly listen when they're sharing with me. Okay. So before we wrap this up, one question I'd have for you is, is there something that you haven't shared with us or told us that you think is particularly interesting about real estate, about your approach to real estate, about your team in real estate? Something that would be just interesting for people to know and might be a bit novel compared to other other brokerages, other teams that you're aware of. Well, for, for my team, you know, there is. I, it's funny. We actually had this conversation earlier today with someone who is um, basically saying, I've solved the real estate problem, right? We have a lack of inventory. So my solution to that is I'm out there building it. Um, you know, we're, we're literally partnering up with different developers to build single family, small lot subdivisions, apartment buildings. We're, we're creating inventory. And, I'm, and through the process of the creation of those housing, I'm also dovetailing it with my residential business because I can, you know, if we're building single family, someone needs to sell them. Yeah. So, you know, I, I am, you know, it's not the easy way to get a listing. I'll tell you that right now. But not the fast way to get a listing either. Yeah, exactly. But once you figure it out, you know, when I get a listing, I might get 10 at a time or 20 at a time. So it, it's, a, it's a great way to leverage the investing and the capital side of real estate to get residential listings as well. Okay. So I just want to paraphrase that because when you describe that to me, what it's almost like um, instead of just looking at the singular track, it's like you're elevated and looking at real estate in a more, not global, but in a larger scale as opposed to one house at a time you've turned that into times 10 times 20 times a hundred houses at a time. How can you have influence on that? It's a, it's a much bigger vision. It's a much bigger vision. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's just it, right? If you're going to, if you have big goals, you need a big plan. So, you know, my, my big plan was to, you know, to go through when, you know, again, when we build something, we're building, you know, 10, 20, 27 units, nine units at a time. Um, the process of getting there has taken me a long time and a journey, but now that you're here because I had a big goal, the rewards that we're starting to reap from that are, are you know, it, it's, 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 um, it's, it's, it's career defining and it's also changing of my whole business model. It's helping us evolve in a way that's just much more um, sophisticated and, and, and giving us exposure to so many different kinds of offshoots on that, um, that same strategy. And you're not always looking at the, for the next deal, the next deal, the next deal. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Now, I've got listings right now that I know won't even go on sale until like November, right? So, you know, it's it's great to have that kind of forecast into your pipeline because you know that, you know, there's a contract that you have that's still under construction, but you can start to plan against that and you can start to um, staff against that, right? Some of the some of the things that we do will also get involved in all the marketing because of my marketing background. Yeah. Well, marketing takes time, right? It's not you know, it, marketing a single family home is one thing. Marketing a twenty seven lot you know subdivision, it needs branding. It needs you know you need to create an identity. There's, it's a completely different animal that just requires a lot more energy before you you know put the listing up on the MLS and start selling it which is why the reward can be 27 times greater. Exactly. Well, David, thank you so much uh, for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's, it's been really interesting. And I think that you, in fact, will attract a more sophisticated agent that has a bigger vision for themselves and for their lives. And I wish you well with that. 
So again, it's Myrna Salsler with the MLS Leadership Show with David Coe from Coe Realty Group. Thank you very much. Thanks, Myrna. Thanks for listening to the MLS Leadership Show. If you're a real estate broker, owner, or manager, and would like to be a guest on the show, please visit mlsleadership.com slash guest. If you got some value out of this interview, subscribe below and share this on your social media, hashtag MLS show. Download us in your podcast player right now. Please give us a thumbs up rating and review the show. Share the value you received from listening in. Connect with me via social media. Check out our website at mlsleadership.com and see if there's some ideas you can use in your own brokerage. It's Myrna Selsler with the MLS Leadership Show and founder of The Million Dollar Broker. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.